Today we're starting a new series and it's on the book of Ephesians. Um, we lived in Azerbaijan for three years and it shared a border with Turkey. And so you can see Turkey, the big yellow country, and right in the right-hand corner it's got AZER, well that's Azerbaijan, but in actual fact the border was just under Armenia where there's a disputed territory between Armenia and Azerbaijan. We were fortunate enough to visit Turkey on three different occasions, and we did go to Ephesus, which you can see right on uh, the left of the map, it's got uh, Izmir, and underneath Izmir is Ephesus. Some Bible commentators describe Ephesus as, well, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, the letter to the people at Ephesus, as the pearl of great price. You know, I, I don't know if you know how pearls are made, but a oyster gets a, a piece of sand in it, and that sand starts to irritate the shellfish, the oyster. And so it secretes a hard substance to protect it from the abrasion from that sand. And ultimately, that turns into a beautiful pearl. And the Apostle Paul wrote this book while he was imprisoned. He was chained to a guard. He was away from his friends and family. And these difficult circumstances helped him to produce this wonderful letter. And often, some of the most precious things in life come as a result of extreme difficulty. You know, people have favorite chapters of the Bible. For some, it might be the 23rd Psalm. It might be Isaiah 53. But a lot of people point to the book of Ephesians and say, that is a real treasure. That is the pearl of great price. And as we journey through this study... You know, if, if I, um, say I had to go to a Bible college and, and teach into a certain area. The book of Ephesians is a, a real um, trip into maturity. If you can understand this book, the keys that are available through this book, you will move to a greater level of maturity. You know, the church at, in Ephesus, when this book was written, was struggling because there were other religions and there was opposition, but they knew how to stand fast. And so this book includes areas where we're talking about spiritual attack and how to stand strong against demonic forces and basically how to grow and to stand in our faith. The first three chapters of, of the book are the principles, the theory of it all. And the second three are the application, the practical application of what we are learning. So Ephesus, in the day that this letter was written, was a uh, travel hub. It was a key location. It was right in the center of Europe and Asia. And so because it had a large port, it was a bustling city. It was the second largest city after Rome. And the Roman Empire also controlled Ephesus. And so they controlled the port. And so you would get people coming from 
Iran, if you look at the green countries around it, um, Iran used to be called Persia, and then you've got Syria, you've got Greece, and they had the Silk Road that went right across Central Asia all the way to China. And the Chinese and the Mongols would bring goods across the continent, and Ephesus was a key commercial center. It had an amphitheater that could seat 29,000 people, and you can go to this today. That was there during Jesus' time and during Paul's time, and these are the ruins of it. It seated 29,000 people. And there was also an enormous pagan temple. And so on the left, you can see the temple, but that pillar is all that remains of it today. And when we visited that site, there was a stork's nest on top of the pillar. And here's this bird standing up on top of the pillar. But that temple, uh, the previous one, was to the Diana, the goddess of love. And another name for Diana was Artemis. And that temple was one of the seven wonders of the world. And a meteorite had fallen on Ephesus. And um, this meteorite had a whole lot of domes on it that were a bit like a woman's breast. And so because Diana was the goddess of love, they said that that meteorite that fell out of the sky was from the goddess of love. And so the silversmiths in town used to produce... Um, crafted images of the goddess Diana. There's a slide of it, two, two on, yeah. So here's the goddess Diana. And they used to, the silversmiths used to make these little models out of silver and sell them to tourists. But the problem was that when people started believing in Jesus, less people wanted to buy these little idols of Diana. And so the silversmiths got very angry with the Christians because they weren't having a lot of sales. There's more known about the church in Ephesus than any of the other New Testament churches. It's first mentioned in Acts chapters 18 to 20, when Paul went to visit there. And then the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, when he wrote those letters, Paul, uh, Timothy was serving in Ephesus. And John, the Apostle John, later on lived in Ephesus. And his letters, John 1, 2, and 3, as well as the Gospel of John, were written in the, town, in the city of Ephesus. And Jesus' mother, Mary, also came to live in Ephesus, where John helped her and took care of her. And so many tourists today... They want to visit the seven churches that are listed in Revelation. And so they go, they get a, a, a cruise ship to Izmir, and then they visit these different churches. And the best church to visit is Ephesus, because there are more remains of Ephesus than any of the other sites. But over all those centuries, there has been um, silt deposited into the harbour 
And so now the town of Ephesus, instead of being right on the coast, is a little further inland. So here was Paul. He was in prison. And his friends were worried about him. They hadn't heard from him for quite some time. And so they were relieved to find that his words in this letter were full of passion and enthusiasm, that Paul was doing okay. And in verses 3 uh, through to 14, there's one very long sentence in the Greek. And it's a sentence where Paul gives praise and thanksgiving and worship to God. So let's just read through this passage. So this is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Well, no, we'll do the first um, 14 verses of the passage. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works, out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise and his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. To the praise of his glory. Okay, now that when you hear that, it's quite deep and it's, there's a lot of big words and you don't understand it all. But today we're going to try and unpack all that so that you can really grasp what Paul is saying. And so the letter aims to increase the reader's understanding of the purpose and power of God. And so in verse 1, Paul addresses this letter to the faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And he uses the word saint. Now today, to become a saint, you've got to jump through all these hoops and you've got to be someone really special like Mother Teresa. But Paul is basically saying that every single faithful 
follower of Jesus is a saint. And so we can ask ourselves, are we faithful followers of Jesus? By faithful, I mean, do you think about God every day? Do you come and worship him when you are able? If you say you're going to do something, do you follow through with that? And so we can all examine ourselves and, and see if we are a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. So Paul refers to himself as an apostle. An apostle is someone that was sent out to do the will of God. You know, prior to becoming a Christian, Paul hated Christians. And he had a job with the Pharisees where it was his responsibility to hunt down Christians who he thought were heretics and to round them up and have them imprisoned and to have them killed. But one day he was riding his horse to Damascus and God interrupted, God intervened and he fell off his horse and a bright light shone upon him and he had an encounter with God. And sometimes we have to fall off our high horse. Sometimes we have to be humbled. And in that place of change and humility, God is able to do something exciting. And after that experience, Paul disappeared from the scene for three years. He went off into the wilderness. God needed to detox him from wrong thinking and to reprogram him with the truth. And in verse 3 it says, we praise God because we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you can grasp what that means, that will give you a key to live a happy and successful life for the Lord. The key word here is the word in. And in the passage that we've just read, it uses that word in him and in Christ 14 times. And it's important that we know and understand what it means to be in Christ, to be in him. And uh, it's, it's a bit like, um, you know, a newborn baby. Now that newborn baby doesn't really know much about the future. They don't know what lies ahead. They don't know what color their eyes are. They don't know that one day they'll be able to talk and to walk. And our status with God depends on our relationship with Jesus. And as we come to know Jesus more and more, just like that newborn baby, we realize there's a lot more to our lives than we are grasping at the, at the moment. There are blessings that we are able to enjoy, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. You know, we lived in Brunei for six years, and our children went to the Brunei International School. And the Sultan of Brunei, who at that time was the, the richest man in the world, his children went to the international school. And the sultan's brother was Prince Geoffrey. And his daughters 
went to the international school. And so my oldest daughter, Rebecca, was in the same class as Princess Fidzilla. And sometimes she used to go to the palace to play with Fidzilla. And my other daughter, Jessica, was best friends with Prince Geoffrey, the Sultan's brother's daughter, Samantha. And she would go to Prince Geoffrey's palace to play with Samantha. And after they'd played, at the end of the day, Jessica was taken into a room that was like a toy shop. And she was given one of those big plastic rubbish bags And she was told that she could pick any toy that she wanted from that room. And it had remote control cars and boats and limited edition Barbie dolls, kids' computers, every conceivable game that you wanted. And so she could walk around this room with her sack and just put into her bag everything she wanted. And if she filled that one up and she still wanted more, (laughs) she could go around again. And then she would get a ride home in a royal limousine. Now God is basically saying to us that he wants us to have access to every conceivable gift that is available to us. That if we are in him, if we are his adopted children, we can be lifted up into heavenly places with him. And we can have all these treasures in spiritual realms that he has prepared for us. A woman called Hattie Green is referred to as America's greatest miser. She lived in 1916, and she left an estate worth $100 million, which in today's terms is over $1 billion. But she was so miserly that she would eat cold oatmeal because she didn't want to pay the cost of heating the water. And when her son developed a a serious leg injury... She took such a long time to find a free clinic that his leg had to be amputated because of an advanced infection. Now, God has given us everything that he has in his store in heaven. But we focus on material and social blessings. God has promised us spiritual blessings. And so here's Paul, and he's writing from prison. He has no material or social blessings, and those are not promised to him. But spiritual blessings are found in heavenly places. And the more spiritual blessings we have, the more we have, um, the more spiritual blessings we have, the less concerned we are about material blessings. Material blessings can actually cause quite a lot of stress. If you've got a lot of money, you're worried about things like um, the share market and finance reports and inflation and all of these types of things. And so as we learn to live in heavenly places with Christ, we learn how we can tap in to these spiritual blessings that are available to us. 
But sometimes we can develop a tight-fisted mentality when it comes to wealth. But there's no reason to be spiritually deprived or spiritually undernourished. And so this book of Ephesians shows us how incredibly healthy we really are. We are immeasurably rich in the things of God. And so God's plan is for all of us who are in Christ to take hold of all these spiritual riches that he has for us. And as we study this book, we will understand more and more about these spiritual riches and how we can take hold of them. Imagine if you were on a cruise of the Mediterranean. You're going to all those Greek islands, but you chose to spend all your time in the engine room. Well, that's a bit like it can be for many of us believers. We're entitled to all these spiritual riches, but we choose to stay in the engine room. We don't receive God's generosity because we, we've earned it or because we're good people. It's a result of our relationship with him. Just because my daughters were friends with the princesses meant that they got benefits. The benefits we get from God are out of our relationship, out of his kindness and generosity to us. It's not because we have to earn them. Everything flows to us from God's love, his kindness, his mercy, as we learn to embrace him and what he has for us. These spiritual blessings are not about the world's goods. They're blessings in the heavenly realm where Christ is seated with God. And so how do we get these blessings if we're stuck here on earth? The more we learn to live in that spiritual realm, the more blessings we can enjoy now. How do we get into that spiritual realm. We're going to learn about that excuse me, over the next few weeks. But sometimes in a, in a good worship time, you might come into this church feeling a bit flat and down and discouraged. But in a worship time, you're focusing on the Lord. You're reaching out to Him. And suddenly, something lifts off you. And you feel free. When I was ministering in Tauranga, the pastor's a of Tauranga would gather every Thursday morning for a prayer time. And sometimes I'd get up early to go to this prayer meeting and I'm thinking, oh, it's a cold morning, why don't I stay in bed? But by the end of that prayer meeting, I always felt energized. I always felt that I'd had an encounter with the Lord and I felt that I'd been lifted up into spiritual places with him. And so here's Paul. He's in prison, the worst prison in the world, a deep pit in the ground. And he was able to say in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, <clears throat> I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could all say the same thing? 
that I have learned to be content in every situation because I can be lifted out of this realm into another realm that where I know that God loves me and cares for me and he takes away my burdens and my anxieties. Wow, wouldn't that be amazing if we could get to that level? Hopefully by the end of the series we, we, we can get there. I used to go snorkeling. We lived in Niue Island for two years and they say that Niue Island has the clearest water in the world. It's a coral island so any rain gets absorbed by the, co the coral and filtered before it sort of trickles out into the sea. And there was 200 foot visibility in that seawater when you went scuba diving or snorkeling. And they had amazing tropical fish of every color imaginable. They had beautiful coral of every color imaginable. And so I would go scuba diving <clears throat> and I was in a different realm. I was in a completely different world. I was seeing things that I'd never seen before. I'd have a big groper, you know, from here to the end of that pulpit, a harpooka swimming towards me. And I'd see this thing coming towards me and I'm thinking, what do I do? And I just stand there and he just goes past me. And a completely under, underwater world, massive stingrays. Um, schools of fish that just at a flash they all change direction and move off in another direction and so here we here we are with a, another realm that is available to us a reality beyond the physical things that we can see and touch Paul had discovered a new eternal spiritual dimension of peace, joy, and hope. In verse 4, it says, We praise God for choosing us in Christ. Now, this raises a very contentious theology of predestination. Does God choose some people to be Christians and not others? And some of the key words that are used in the Greek here are left out by some of the translators. Paul's focus here is on the choice of those who are in Christ. Let me try and explain it to you. I had an uncle who was selected for the New Zealand hockey team at the Montreal Olympics. Now, they had determined that the Olympics were going to be in Montreal way before my uncle got selected. And he was in the hockey team, and to get to the Olympics, first of all, you, you, had, to you had to qualify to have a hockey team that was going to go there. And so the New Zealand hockey team qualified to go to the Olympics before my uncle was selected. And so... He got to the Olympics because he was in the team. We get to go to heaven because we are in Christ. So when it says we were predestined, we, every single person who was in Christ 
has access to these spiritual blessings in Christ. So it was Christ that was selected. Before the creation of the world, God planned it that if all who are in Christ would be blessed with these heavenly blessings. The plan was about Jesus and what Jesus was going to do. God knew that the only way people would get to heaven would be through their connection with Jesus, by being in Jesus' team. Jesus' team is available to get all these spiritual blessings. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we in his team? So it's the chosen one, Jesus, not an individual person, but it's Jesus Christ. And that's why John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's Jesus Christ, who is the one that is predestined, and all who are linked into him are safe and secure. So we're not to ask, am I lucky enough to be one of the elect? But we're to ask, have I realized that Jesus is the elected one of God, and have I linked myself with him? Am I in him? Because without the cleansing blood of Jesus, no one can be holy and pure in God's sight. But in Christ, there is a hope for all who put their trust in him. God the Father had one son. He loved him so much that he called him my beloved son. The difference with us is that we are adopted sons and daughters. Adoption is a beautiful thing. It's about being chosen, wanted, and accepted. And so only in Christ do we receive the right to become the children of God and to call God our Father. So what's your plan for getting to heaven? Most people have some sort of scheme in the back of their minds. Is it by telling God that you're better than your neighbors? Is it through helping old ladies to cross the road or with their shopping? Is it through giving to charity? God's plan was made even before the world was created. Access to heaven is promised to all those who are in Christ. We all have to examine ourselves this morning and we need to ask ourselves that question. Am I in Christ? Because if we are, we have access to that spiritual realm where every spiritual blessing is attainable to us.